Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is my Riverdale correspondent, but like, not River, not in Riverdale today. It's Ashley Evans, everyone. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I always love coming. Well, and this is me bending up my own rules with you, because we're here to talk about the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats movie, and I was like... It's Riverdale adjacent, so you're doing it. They say Riverdale a bunch of times in it. Well, it, I mean, Josie and the Pussycats is an Archieverse character, mm-hmm. so it made sense in my brain to have you come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I made I made like a little note for myself. I said this movie was nothing like Riverdale no at all it wasn't murdery enough but it's fine because I like a fluffy movie from time to time (laughs) not that I'm saying I like a fluffy movie like Riverdale is like deep and I'm not this is movie is fluff but well so this is this is like different (laughs) fluff than what Riverdale the tv series is this is cotton candy (laughs) this is this is this is millennium early 2000s like we're figuring shit out anyway uh, so the movie is written and directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. Um, every song is written by some other uh, uh, people, a group of people. So we're not, I'm not listing. Uh, and according to IMDb, a girl group finds themselves, fuck, let me redo that. <laughs> according to IMDb, a girl group finds find themselves in the middle of a conspiracy to deliver subliminal messages through popular music. I love this movie. I, I've i loved this movie for so long. Have you seen it before? No. John, I love this movie, though. I watched it for the very first time last night. I went in completely blind, and I was like, I love it. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's very quintessentially 2000s. I didn't see it when it came out because it's PG-13, and my family, I, well, we won't get into that, but I wasn't, basically, I wasn't allowed to watch <laughs> PG-13 movies, but, like, after watching the whole thing, I don't know why this movie was PG-13. Like, maybe there was mild sex- sexual, like, innuendo, or maybe there was more than mild, but I maybe it just went over my head because I'm trash. But um, if anything, like, maybe language? I think they could have gotten away with, like, a PG rating. I don't know why this was PG-13. It was pretty tame. There's Riverdale this... is worse than this. In oh, terms... well, yes. But, like, <laughs> also, you got to remember, this is almost 20 years old. Right. Yeah. This Rated is 20 probably. years old. This is 21 years. This movie can drink. Um, this movie can drink. <laughs> but, actually, the first song in the movie is called Backdoor Lover. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I didn't look it up, but I am aware, like, it's butt sex, right? It's butt sex. It's butt sex, yes. But they never explicitly say butt sex. If you really listen to the lyrics, though, it is. But, like, what Backstreet Boys song isn't about butt sex? I mean, maybe none of them, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, No, no. I Want It That Way is probably about butt sex. Okay. 
and digital get down is about sending nudes via your cell phone so like but parents don't listen that closely they see their kids be if you want to be my lover by the spice girls is about threesomes or maybe orgies like and children listen to this shit all the time oh my god so to plug my other podcast right now when we did this on movie deja vu we compared it to the gem and the holograms movie and like watch like we're doing that episode i would both uh, shady and i were like we haven't seen this movie in forever and it still slaps it's still like I've i don't know that one well no, no no this one fuck fuck gem the holograms for right now that movie is wild but this one josie and the pussycats it is it's magical it's so magical there's a lot of wrong about it but it, there's it's so like there's a lot wrong but there is a lot right I yes. think this movie is equal parts brilliant and stupid. Like, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just so good. I loved it. I loved it so much. I mean, the the Archie Comics people watched it. They were a little upset because it's, it's not their brand at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, and they were like, we need something wholesome. So there's this, that scene where they're brushing their teeth that that's that's how they qualified the wholesome aspect yes. of the movie but wait like, there was oh there was something on imdb about this and then riverdale here we go uh so of course this is a imdb trivia that i read and i laughed my ass off and i was like oh i have God. to say this i'm so excited due to the level of profanity and adult themes the family-friendly archie comics which published the original josie and the pussycat stories would denounce the film and discourage people from seeing it. Strangely, many years later, the comics would not only be fine with, but also promote the television series Riverdale based on their Archie stories, which also features Josie, Melody, and Valerie as secondary characters, which arguably had much darker adult themes and in its storylines than this movie. Arguably? There's no argument. <laughs> this movie well, is for children. Riverdale is for older children. They may have written that when it was season one, when it was still like... Yeah, season one was fine. It was a different show. It's a very different show. Now they have superpowers and there's a devil involved and a comet. (laughs) And that's just season six. Um, And that's just season six. uh, I'm not going to lie, though. This movie kind of makes the music industry make sense. Like all the justifications that they have for things. That's what I said. I like, I was like, it was a satirical take on the music industry and how the entertainment industry subliminally tells us to buy things. And we listen to it because we're the content consumers. So really it's kind of brilliant because it's definitely true, especially with young people, like children, teenagers, especially they see their favorite celebrities on TV they see their role models wearing a certain type of clothes or drinking a Pepsi. And they're like, yeah, I should have that. So this movie is kind of, like, it's goofy and stupid, but it's also really smart because it's not wrong. Like we're not putting creepy tracks in our music to tell them to buy things, but it's product placement, it's marketing. And any music industry person or public figure could be used as a marketing ploy for the consumers. So movie's and, not wrong. And then the whole movie is product placing. 
Yeah. Oh, there's subliminal messages in this movie. Like the movie well, subliminally uh, told me to go to Target. I really needed to go to Target last night after watching. <laughs> it was closed, but it, McDonald's wasn't. So I ordered a Big Mac because I'm like, oh, why do I want? It's because she's in a shower that has McDonald's logo on. <laughs> and then she says she wants a Big Mac, and they're like, "You're a vegetarian." <laughs> I, I Tara Reid, fucking love her in this movie. I thought she was really good in it. I don't love the blonde trope of like dumbness, but I think Tara Reid understood the assignment and gave it her all. So I think in that way, like she nailed it. I just wish they would have written her a little differently, but I think because it's a satire, that's why. And I don't know, you like you've got your dumb characters in current TV, like Jason from the good place but i think what's cool about characters like that is like yes he's an idiot but there's also layers to him like he's not all it's not always the same joke over and over again like he's there's other levels to him he's sweet he's kind he's thoughtful he's not just the dumb character whereas i feel like they did tara reed dirty by just writing dumb after dumb after dumb after dumb joke but that was a very 2000s thing and i thought it was really interesting that um like Josie and her two bandmates, it's like you've got doe-eyed, like innocent leading lady, and then her two token friends, and you've got the token done blonde and the token person of color, and that was a very two thousands thing. Um, like I mean, Mean Girls, you've got, I mean, she's not doe-eyed Regina, but she's like, you know, the hot girl, and then you've got dumb Karen Smith, and then like, uh. Gretchen Wieners isn't necessarily a person of color, but she's a brunette. So, like, that was their version of that. It was, There was a lot of that in the 90s and early 2000s. So, like, this is on brand for the time it was made in. And I think it's interesting, though, because I looked up the comics, because after the movie, I was like, this movie is very white. There is one person of color in it. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up the comics, and that's how and it that's is how in it the was. comics. So I'm like... It took that long before we started to diversify film. Like, from the 60s, when the comics came out, to, like, the 2000s, we're still doing that. So, like, just now, we're starting to... Well, and Hanna-Barbera had the cartoon as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just... I sent you a picture, because we're talking about Tara Reid and her blonde hair. Mm -hmm. I fucking... We talked about this also on Movie Danger Group. Her hair with the with the ringlets. Mm-hmm. I just I was obsessed. I'm up. I did, I did you, love I, the ring. That was another two thousands thing too. Like remember? her her the, her styling mm-hmm. um, was amazing because it was like early two thousands, but also inspired by the their their roots, the seventies. You know when they were sixty seventies mm-hmm. when they were out, which I just I thoroughly loved this mm-hmm. um but yeah i could see that this is like very problematic because even like with uh rosario dawson playing val love her but love her but the fact that they gave that the, her story is that she's feeling left out or like yeah. being pushed out and of course she's the only person of color in this whole universe yeah. so it's like okay that's uh, that's that's like one of the problem one of the problematic moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so fun fact as well, 
Donald Faison, Seth Green, and Brecken Meyer, who are part of DuJour. Oh un- my god. <laughs> they're not credited for this movie. I know. I was like, where are they? I was, that's one of my flats. I'm like, criminal underutilization of some really funny people. Well, they worked with um, writer directors Deborah Kaplan and Harry Alfont in different properties. Was uh, they green in Clueless? Because I know Donald Vazon and Breckenmeyer were. No, they were all in Can't Hardly Wait. Gotcha. Okay. That's what it, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And like like this. Oh my god, this was like the height of teen movies as well. Yeah. Like. I think that's why I really liked it because I was the target audience when this came out and it just speaks to me. It subliminally told you to consume it and you did. And the music slaps the so music. hard. Oh like, my God. Like three small words. Yes. A bop. Give it to me. A bop. There's so many songs in this movie. However, I feel like they only perform like five yeah yeah because those yeah i was like where are i'm looking at your outline at like all the songs and i'm like oh i'm gonna need to go buy this on itunes so i can listen to the full thing without it like being interspersed in the movie yeah because they they oddly recorded them or at least rachel lee cook or whoever is singing for rachel lee cook and they have it as background music and scenes and you're like where is this coming from? <laughs> I I was mad that they didn't have them performing more. Right? And even like their concert, they repeat a song. It's Yeah. Um, and as much as I love that song, like do some of the other songs that you recorded. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's so good. It's I laugh. I like you know, I have the biggest grin on the whole time with this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so, it's so dumb. And I love every second of it. It's, it's fluffy, but it's also, it, but it's also smart. So, <laughs> I don't know where to go. I don't, there's so much, there's so much to talk about that we, I don't have enough time. Literally, I could talk about this for like 17 years. Let's um, talk about Alexander Cabot's hair. Oh my God. So in this movie, they have Alex and Alexandra Cabot, which mm-hmm. we did talk about them when they were, when we did the Katie Keen episode. Yeah. Because they brought them in. They didn't bring Alan M into the series, into Katie Keen, I think. They didn't, but there was somebody with the, I looked up Alan M because I'm like, is this a comic thing? And it's he Alan was, M. Mayberry. He, so, wasn't he in the he was in the the Josie and the Pussycats episode of Riverdale. Val. The what? Dating Val. But was his name Alan? She was dating someone with the last name Mayberry. Probably. But and I'm was, like Or I thought because when they go on the bus at the end of that episode of Riverdale, isn't isn't somebody there like hi i'm alan can i go on tour with you and be your groupie or whatever no that was sweet pea that was what that was sweet pea oh fuck i don't remember fucking a i think they had to just like shove him with someone else because sweet pea and josie were like the thing what jeet pea or swozy i don't know what would we call them we got we got a workshop there there's sweet josie Sweet Josie. Sweet Josie. I mean, 
it's dumb, but like it does the job. It makes sense. Um, <laughs> I literally, speaking of which, I literally wrote down the this ending is so dumb. I love it because it's it's the concert. <laughs> it's so dumb. I love it. It's the concert where they're like, "I was brainwashed." I'm sorry, I missed your concert, Alan M. <laughs> I, I love you. I love you. I love you too. I love let you me finish, too. Let me finish singing the song in front of a live audience <laughs> <laughs> that's being broadcasted around the world. I will say that Alan M and Josie in this movie have more chemistry than Josie McCoy and Archie have on Riverdale. I'm not sorry about it. Nope. I believe you a hundred. I'm with you 175%. That was a misstep. Ashley Murray has better chemistry with literally everybody else in that cast. That was just such a random pairing. And I don't know why they did that. Maybe it's like something that happens in the comics. So they're like, we'll try this. But you're like, he's really canonically either with Veronica or Betty. Like throwing him with anyone else doesn't make any sense. They were trying something. Yeah. So how how well is your French, by the way? Uh, I don't know. I know that fromage means cheese, but I don't really know any other French. So when somebody tries to speak to me in French, I just say les freaks say chic freak out. Because that's what it sounds like to me. Because apparently the word du jour means of the day. Du jour. So the band that uh, Brecken Myers, uh, Donald Faison, Seth Green, and I forgot his name, the other guy's name. Other guy. One, <laughs> other guy, but the one that actually is credited and shows up at the end. Their band name is DuJour, which is funny because it's supposed to be like, we are the pop band of the day. Oh, that's, see, okay, another reason that this movie is not as dumb as you think. Because, like, that's really smart. Yeah, because on the surface, you watch this movie and you're like, this is so saccharine sweet. Yes, yep. But then you actually, like, listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. and like you find out all this other background stuff and it's so smart however my question to you is where is Riverdale um well I think consistently between the show and this movie it's somewhere outside of New York City I think on a map it's either in the upper or lower Hudson Valley but like in both universes of this it's it's somewhere near New York where you could take like a little trip to New York. So it's in New York State. Well. <laughs> but like Betty says in Riverdale, this isn't the United States. This is Riverdale. Well, in this movie, if you look at their bus passes, uh-huh. this is another IMDb trivia that I fell out of my seat when I read it. <gasps> um, a- according to Josie's bus pass, Riverdale is located in the 99860 zip code. This this zip code is really for Mezcatel del Oro in Mexico. However, <laughs> Valerie's bus pass has a 46528 zip code, which is for Goshen, Indiana. So I ask you, where is Riverdale? So remember how I said this movie's smart? <laughs> Maybe maybe not so much all the time. Uh, that is a prop issue. <laughs> yeah, props needed to get their shit together. Although I did enjoy... It's like, why are there two different zip codes? 
They did not, but they did. They were spending too much time making the full body cast for the members of Dijor and their monkey. For you are. <laughs> did you notice? Like he has the yes! monkey on his arm, and the yes! monkey has a full body cast. I that this movie made me laugh so much. Like uh, I really needed this yesterday. So thank you for making me watch it. It made me laugh a lot, like out loud. The way that SNL makes me laugh. It's essentially an hour and a half SNL sketch. So do you think that this is going to be like one of your go-to movies? Like a comfort film? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like my mom loves watching Hallmark movies because they're like quiet. Nothing really happens. It's the same cut and dry thing. But like, this is like, a louder version of that or it's a like loud. It's, there is a lot of screaming in this movie there's anyway. a lot of there's a lot of screaming there's a lot of loud music but like it's sweet the villainous plan of subliminal messaging for fiona to have everyone love her like that's dumb that is so dumb but yeah. like they beat her so like who cares i think Hallmark movies are so sweet that they will instantly give you diabetes, whereas this movie is so sweet that it might give you a cavity, but there's some bite to it. That is the quote of the episode. That is the quote. But I love it. I don't know. It's so good. I'm so mad that I didn't have this movie in my childhood because it's such a good movie. You know what? Better late than never, right? It's not a perfect movie. There are When we talk about flats, there are parts that did not age well. Um, But overall, I think... It's a way better movie than it isn't. Yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, going to be on the AFI's 100 movies of all time. Because, like, it's it's just, like, a dumb, nice, sweet movie that, like, you know, everyone should watch it. What a great review. It's a dumb, nice, nice, sweet sweet movie. movie. Because it, 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 it's not like so thought provoking or like very dramatic. It's just like whatever. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it besides like just fucking watch it and experience it for yourself because it is so like, I love it. I love it. And yeah, the end. <laughs> and the end. I love it. <laughs> And the end. And the end. So I also saw, uh, noticed, so the singer Babyface. Okay. He wrote a couple of songs for yeah. this movie. He's also in it. Which one is he? He is, when they do Behind the Music, which that in and of itself is amazing. Um, he is the chief when they do the Captain and Tennille bit. <laughs> that's baby face that's baby face with like old age makeup with old age makeup i thought friendship was the most important thing but like i really i love the justification for that because you know it's, it makes so much sense now <laughs> like I thought it was the most important thing um did you get uh when wyatt said take the Chevy to the levee. I put that as one of my sharps because I was like, I see what you did, movie. And then there's another, his other code smells like Teen Spirit. That's the one where the uh, they're in the record store and he's testing out the new DuJour album that has different um, subliminal messaging in it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a girl there who's 
alt rock or like oh Barkin Benjanisian. Yes. 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 And she's like, this movie, this music sucks. And he's, and then he whispers into his phone, smells like teen spirit because she's like a alternative rock yeah. punk girl. So, so we're back to clever. <laughs> this movie does swing both from like clever to what the fuck. It's so good though. But like, um, take for those of you who didn't grasp it, take the Chevy to the levee is a reference to the song American Pie, which is about the airplane crash that killed Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Popper. So, yikes. and in the movie American Pie was Tara Reid, so it's like double Easter egg. And Eugene Levy. And Eugene Levy. Who I makes- am an actor. It is true. <laughs> that. <laughs> Gut like so I had gut laughs. Part of me wondered if Parker Posey suggested him. Speaking of Parker Posey, you wanna you wanna laugh at me? Uh-huh. So my friend is uh doing drag in Provincetown over the summer and was really bummed because he got COVID um the week that he was supposed to do a show that Parker Posey was gonna be a judge at. Oh. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he's just like, We're not friends anymore kidding but like he was like what do you mean so i had no idea what this person's face looked like and as i'm watching this movie i'm like is that elizabeth banks that might be elizabeth banks is this a prequel to the hunger games and this is like her prequel to her turn as effie trinket in the hunger games so i had to google it and it's parker posey and i'm like this is why he doesn't want to be my friend anymore (laughs) because i should have known that was parker posey because everybody should know that that's parker posey but that being said, now that I have a face and a name to put together, Parker Posey and Alan Cumming are the best cast people in this movie. Oh, of course. All of their bits are fun. Well, All of their bits are funny. Well, because Parker Posey is a Christopher Guest actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she she can improv with the best of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she has with Eugene Levy in the movie. It's hysterical. But like... Yes. And then Alan Alan Cumming, like amazing actor, great comedic timing. Uh when he's pl- in comedies, I should say. Uh because like, I don't know, maybe like when he's doing cabaret, not so funny because like, <laughs> it's a little bit more of a serious moment. Uh-huh. But like he is so good. And then their their weird thing at the end where <laughs> Or <laughs> like they're dropping hints throughout the whole movie that like they're very self-conscious about something happened in their mm-hmm. past um where you know alan alan cumming does set it up by saying like you go to your 10-year reunion to get back at those people oh he did say with. that and then uh parker posey when she's like flirting with the band in There's her that, room of creepy ass dolls. I'm like, what is this? Pretty little liars. And she has one chip and is like, I'm so fat. Um, she st- <laughs> she breaks and has like that lisp A moment. Lisp. And it's just like that I don't know if this Chekhov's gun pays off. <laughs> I mean, I I actually noted that I didn't super love the reveal that she has a lit had a lisp and he was an albino person just because i think in the 2000s it was whatever but like i don't think they would make jokes like that today because it's like kind of ableist but like i did think it was funny that they knew each other in high school and they had this like 
grand moment of like, oh my god, I did like that his belly was held in the whole time. I thought that was funny. That he wore a corset or whatever. Holding that in for so long. For 15 years. <laughs> but like, I could have done without that. But also, it it doesn't offend me because I don't have a lisp and I am not an albino, but I don't know if that would work today. I think they wouldn't do that if they I, were to make it. I think, though, the the joke of them knowing each other in high school but not <laughs> recognizing each other now is would still be amazing. They could do it a different way. They could do it a different Without way. Without having yes. a disability. Yes. Yeah, so when they remake the inevitably remake this movie for because mm-hmm. that's what we that's what we do these days. That's what we do. Um change out of that. ideas. Change change that change that and then a few other things here and there sprinkled yeah. throughout the movie. No Bill Cosby impressions, please. No Bill Cosby. Well, that was also well. So, uh, Ari Spears, who plays that character, that Carson, Carson Daly. Daly. <laughs> How um, did he get Carson Daly to do this movie? <laughs> he was big on T. Like they use they utilize TRL so much, and like Carson Daly is kind of funny in this. Oh, I'm, he's I'm, gr- this is his best. It all went downhill after this movie. This is his. This he peaked. <clears throat> At Josie and the Pussycats. Because, like, when he's, when he's on TRL after they beat the shit out of him, and he's like, I bought two of these Josie headphones, and then puts the second one on, I <laughs> die laughing every time. I'm like, that is comedic genius right there. For the line that daily. <laughs> he made me laugh when he was just like, I know I'm supposed to, and then he, like, gives away, like, the plot. He's like, I know I'm supposed to be helping people subliminate and make people conform to blah, 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 blah. I mean, long explanation, but this would so work because you're really hot. Like his line delivery on whatever that line was, was very funny. P.S. He didn't really peak. I'm just joking. Like he's still. He never you know, peaked. He's eternally <laughs> good. Um, well, and then this is also when he and Tara Reed like met and then dated. Do oh, you really? remember that? No. Yeah. Yeah, this is where they met and then they dated. And it but like I think it's also kind of funny that like okay, so Melody is obviously the free spirit stoner. Oh, I wish that she was stoned. I mean, I mean. I wish that she was less dumb or just sometimes dumb but also stoned. So like she had moments of brilliance followed by dumb. I think that would be a funny bit. If we were to remake it, we should do that. Okay. Because then she has layers, and she's, like, a little stupid, but, like, she gets really enlightened. But then then that would make sense if she was stoned, because he admits to her the plot of the movie, or, like, the plot of the villains and everything, and she doesn't say shit to to Val or Josie. Because it goes over her head. Yeah. But, like, if she was stoned, it would make more sense. Yeah. That it was just, like, Wait, did I really hear that, or am I imagining things? No, he he did that, and she was just like, "It's okay, I'd rather date Matt Damon." Did she date Matt Damon too? Because I think that would be even funnier if she dated those people. No, she didn't. Where is she? Tara Reid. Well, she did. She did the Sharknado movies. Oh God. Um. Oh, how the great have fallen. She. She didn't really have like the best career, and she she should have played the dumb blonde or the dumb character. 
more than it's too bad because she's very funny but like that's the thing too if i remember correctly in american pie she's not the dumb character mm-hmm. i've never seen it because that was another movie i wasn't allowed to watch but i know she was on the the dvd case because i remember seeing her face a lot of blockbuster i think they were trying like she was trying to establish herself as like the teen cool girl Mm-hmm. And then this movie was like, no, you're going to play the dumb blonde, but you're also going to be pretty cool. She was cool. Like, whose style did you like out of all of this? Oh, God. They all were good in their own right, but I'm very partial to Josie's hair. Like, my hair was that color my senior year of high school in, a, like, a similar cut, but, like, not not so much because that those choppy layers were very 2000s and it was like getting closer to the 2010s at that point but i love Josie's hair i love her eye makeup i love her dress in the scene where they go to the party like i liked Josie's i the best i didn't flat this but i hated all the tattoos in it the, all the stick on tattoos or the jeweled tattoos that they had in this I must have ignored them because I didn't even see them. So, okay. That scene where she's getting ready for the party and Alan M shows up and he helps her with the chain in her back. Uh-huh. Oh, right? that was... That, there's a, Riverdale could never. The scene had so much tension and I loved it. Yeah, but then it's destroyed because then you, they focus on the back and then all of a sudden you see on her back she has a, a like, flower gem tattoo and i'm like this is dumb <laughs> oh i was too focused on alan m i this another subliminal message from this movie was this movie told all young girls to have a crush on every guy with floppy hair and a guitar i'm so it started it this was the birth of everybody's crush on floppy haired guitar guys playing stupid songs and then uh harry styles made a career out of it well, Harry Styles transcends because Harry Styles is no gender. Harry Styles is just Harry Styles. So then let me backtrack. Should I say Jonas Brothers? It was, yeah, like Jonas Brothers, even maybe a little bit Justin Bieber, although I don't I don't think he plays guitar, but like floppy haired boys. Just, anybody, give, just let him hold a guitar then at that point. <laughs> just hold it, Justin Bieber. You just, know, the OC, like the soundtrack of the OC were all those bands like Rooney, like with the floppy hair and the guitars um all american rejects floppy haired guitars like so i feel like this would you say this movie i don't know if it started or if it helped perpetuate this movement that you're talking about i mean i just think it's a funny joke that this movie subliminally told people to do it and then they consumed all those things but realistically i'd have to look at a timeline because this is 2001. And yeah, so, so I feel like around that time is when all men started getting that haircut and playing Wonderwall. <laughs> you know? Like, it was just overnight. It was like, we like Mario Kart. And then the next day they're like, I saw you at a coffee shop. Blah, here's my hair. <laughs> like, and that then was John, the thing. And then John Mayer came out. <laughs> no, he's very talented. I, I shouldn't. No, but he's also this type that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Floppy hair guitar. He wants to run through the halls of his high school. He wants to scream at the top of his lungs, like I everyone in this you. movie. I hate you so much. <laughs> also, uh, another subliminal message from this movie that really hit a nerve with me was you're nobody without an Abercrombie and Fitch vintage tee. 
because I feel like most of my classmates were brainwashed by this movie because everyone had those Abercrombie and Fitch tees that were like a bajillion dollars. I could not afford it. Um, and looking back, I'm like, so what? It's a stupid shirt. But I remember I saved up one year for my birthday and I spent $90 of birthday money buying one of those t-shirts and it ripped in two months because I had a back brace. I was really mad. <laughs> but like this movie I had the worked. cologne. Don't get me wrong. I had the uh, that Abercrombie and Fitch cologne. Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister were like bars for children. So like it's dark in there. You know what I mean? It's dark yes. in there and the music is loud. So you're over and it smells like and everyone like is man sweat. Gorgeous. Yeah. And there's too much going on. You're overstimulated. You don't know what you're doing. So like you spend all your allowance on whatever you're buying, just like alcoholics or not alcoholics. Sorry, not to shame alcoholism. What? Um, going to a bar and there's too much going on. The lights, the music, the, the dark, like, yeah. The atmosphere is buy all the drinks and you spend all your money at the bar, just like and these are bars for children. And all of a sudden you're like, it's two hours later and you're like, I overdrafted. And then, <laughs> right, so right, I, yeah, yeah. Cause uh, I like in, in your analogy, you know, you leave the bar slash whatever clothing store we're, we're in. And you're like, what happened? And it's like, my, my, they had to rip up my credit card, but I have all this shit. <laughs> I also think this about Trader Joe's, um, Trader Joe's is the Disney world of grocery stores because like everyone's really happy and there's all this fun, colorful magic to look at and you're overstimulated and you spend all your money. And then you walk out of Trader Joe's with hundreds of dollars worth of groceries, even though it was all at bargain prices and you go, I can't pay rent. (laughs) But I can eat for the next week. But I can eat crunchy freeze dried broccoli. because That sounds like a great plan. An orange chicken in my with my stove that doesn't work. I don't know how I'm gonna cook it. How but. did you? What did you think of? Uh, okay, so we we didn't really talk. We talked a lot about Tara Reid, but we didn't talk about Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson was done dirty by this movie because I don't know if uh, Rachel is it Rachel Lee Cook or Lay Cook. I'm not Lee. This is the first time I've ever seen her because again I did not. I was not allowed to watch these PG-13 movies as a kid. I know that she was in She's All That. I know that she's like an it girl of the early 2000s. Again, was not allowed to watch those movies. Um, she was good. I liked her. Am she's I, I going to have to give you an education on teen or early 2000s teen movies? Can we have a day? Can we just have a day where we... They're all terrible, but... <laughs> I'm so excited. Let's make this... No, like, 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 we're going to watch them now and you're going to be like, this was popular back then and you and i'll be like yes yes oh no if they're anything like this movie i'll love them well because like she's all that is the trope of like they hire hot actors and then they put them in glasses and ponytail (laughs) and then they're the they're disgusting garbage people because they wear glasses and ponytails how dare you have not 2020 vision you trash (laughs) but Kiss Me, the song Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Yes, yeah. That scene is iconic. I guess like, I have to see this film. Like, they, there are early 2000s teen movies 
this one too is included in it, have just like iconic moments. This one, yeah. I think though, it's not a scene per se. Okay. It is this it is the song Three Small Words because that is the intro that um they it's so wild too because I don't know if maybe this was supposed to be a show that they were like let's just make it a movie oh it's perfect as a movie it did not need to be a show I think it was a perfect time the only reason why I think it's supposed to be a show is because during the song three small words they do like the I'm Rachel Lee Cook playing Josie McCoy and but like you know they they do the pose they they're like jumping on a trampoline and they pose they freeze the frame and they're like, Josie, lead singer. That was so too Loves Alan M. And I'm like, okay, but like, is maybe this was supposed to be a show or like have a spinoff show or something? Yeah, because you don't see a lot of movies that do the credits at the beginning with the people and their picture in a freeze frame anymore. Which we Oh no, get. you do. It's still a, it's still around, but it's not it's not a freeze frame. It'll be like John, 34, podcaster. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, like, the colorful, like, they do a pose and and then, like, the colors are inverted and it's like, this is this person. I want, I want that back. It makes me, makes me happy. But to your point about uh, Rosario Dawson. So, Rachel A. Cook, I don't know, Lee? Lee. (laughs) I don't know if she can sing or not. I don't know if that's her voice or not. If so, great. If not, it's okay. But the fact that they had Rosario Dawson in the cast and she can sing and she's part of the band and they gave her nothing made well, me angry. Like, I don't care if it's just like a little bit solo here and there. I don't care if it's like maybe she takes a verse here and there. But like, you had a singer. Before and Rent. Well, they didn't know she could sing, but right. she can. This is, can I blow your mind for a hot second? Sure. This is like four years before Rent. Oh, yeah. This is before she, I think Rent really, I don't want to say put her on the map because she was around before that, but I think. So her different. Her first, her first movie was Kids, which was an, uh, I believe it was a 1995 film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I, I haven't seen it, but like, I think that's the one that was just like, who's that girl? Who is she? And then this one may have helped perpetuate the career Mm -hmm. because i don't i well it bombed i'm not gonna lie it bombed bombed it bombed really it it wasn't good no uh, um i believe hannah barbera were were supposed to do like a series of movies or like the archieverse was supposed to do a series of movies and then because this didn't do so well they were like well no more Oh, it's so fun, though. I mean, yeah, it is. Let I'm me surprised. See. I'm checking the IMDb right now because I want to see what the like budget and everything was. Um, uh, okay, so the budget was $39 million. Uh, and it, the worldwide gross was $14.8 million. So it bombed mm. hardcore. But... Bad. But maybe with the, this podcast episode, we'll bring it back to life. We'll bring it back to life. Because, like, it's, I feel like not enough people know about it and they should. 
because it's it's silly but also has boppy music it it's and, and it's smart and dumb at the same time it's zoolander for teenagers and Zoolander's great, so, like, why couldn't this be? Like, because Zoolander is also, like, equal parts brilliant, equal parts stupid. Like, it's it's goofy, it's not to be taken too seriously, it's satirical, it's about subliminal messaging in forms of media, but, like, one is about models and one is about the music industry. Um, and this one is more teen-oriented and that one's more adult. But, like, I think it's, like, the same concept and everybody loves zoolander we quote zoolander like this is is this a a shelter for ants like it's a cultural iconic movie and i don't know why this couldn't also be that so i mean yeah this uh i feel like i i mean i've watched this a lot as a kid especially this time because it was like school trips and it was PG, PG-13, and you know, we are the target audience for mm-hmm. at the time that this came out. Like, I'm pretty sure if you were able to watch this as a kid, you probably would have had would have loved it. Some merch. Because that's that's yeah. also hilarious. That they ears. sold merch. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do with movies like this. You sell things yeah. or lunchbox or something. Well, it's um, exactly what the movie, like, they sold consumer goods with the music but like it's kind of meta because they're also they could have sold a lot of merch with the movie they even said movies are where it's at that's where subliminal messages are and it's true and then they have a moment of being like Josie the Piscats the most amazing movie ever (laughs) with Mr. Movie Phone oh my god Mr. Movie Phone again it's back to being smart because like that was a funny bit I think though I like that I'm watching it um, as an older, an older person, Ew. yeah. Um, as an, an adult comedian, because I'm like, oh, this is a funny bit. Oh, this is a funny bit, and I don't think I would have noticed the bits as much as a kid. Like the part where Alexander and Alexandra are tied up and their mouths are taped over, and then like Alexander just takes the tape off her mouth and she goes, "Oh, it's du jour. and I'm like, "Oh my god, she put it back Missy, on." Like, that's Missy so Pyle, funny. Missy Pyle in this movie. She is the 2000s bitchy McBitch. She says bitchy McBitch at one point, and I'm like, that's you. You are the 2000s bitchy McBitch. She's can so we, great. Can we also... So another smart moment is how they break the fourth wall so many times in this yes. movie. yep. And the the funniest one is with Missy Pyle when they are going to New York. I'm here because I'm in the comic book. Yes. Yep. Yes. That is, and, and it's said as a, it's said as a throwaway line. Yeah. But a joke throwaway line. It's good. It's so good. It's good. And then they also, justified, they yeah. made that character in the uh, Katie Keene series. And it's like, but it's not Missy Pyle. <laughs> it's not Missy Pyle. I think, again, it's another example of how this movie is like satire and goofy whereas like Riverdale and Katie Keene and even Sabrina they're like dark and gritty and like I think Alexandra Cabot in that universe might have some funny lines but for the most part she's like a serious bitchy McBitch but like but Alexander in 
Katie Keene, the brother, he's he's all, not funny. He's very serious. Yeah, like this I mean, guy. I'm sure the guy's funny. Like the actor's probably funny, and they just the writer, the writing didn't account for that. But like this Alexander Cabot, literally every scene he has either a different hat or a different hairstyle. And I was like so excited to see him in every scene because I'm like, what's his head gonna look like in this one? Paulo Costanzo. I wanted to give him his credit. Yeah. Oh my god, he was also in Euro uh, Road Trip. Road Trip. That's how I know. Like, like these actors. I don't. I don't want to say Missy Pyle because I don't know if she was, but like all of the actors in this movie are like. 90s 2000s teen movie stars oh she definitely was she was i can't i can't think of like other teen movies she was in that's the thing let me see if mm. i can find oh she was in galaxy oh she was in galaxy quest yeah. ah she's like a she's like a little older than the rest of the cast but like yeah. they're the same gen xers yeah but yeah i mean this this is just I love this movie I love it and by the way that does your member whose name we forget his name is Let the character name is Les uh, played by Alexander Martin so just wanted to get give a shout out to him because we've talked about talked around him but we don't we didn't actually credit him ah! as cute as he is I wish that um, Brecken Meyer was the one who wasn't injured enough to be in a full body cast because I've always had a crush on him. I had a crush on him in Clueless. I had a crush on him in Rat Race. And then he showed up in this movie and I'm like, that's Clueless. I was so excited. And then rolling he like... Rolling with the homies. Rolling with the homies. Oh my God, I'm sad that he's barely in the movie because <laughs> I was like, so pumped for Brecken. I was like, yes. But like that was the... he. He, Donald Faison, and oh god, we've been talking for a while. Uh, <laughs> and Seth Green are just the Easter eggs for the writers and directors. Seth um, Green is so funny. I wish that again. I wish he was in more of the movie. Uh, is there anything else though, that you want to talk about before we get sharp and flat? Um, just as like a general consensus for this movie, you know how there's honest trailers, or uh-huh. is it honest trailers or like? Yeah, it's honest trailers where they like go through the trailer and they say, this is what actually happens in the movie. And then at the end they go blah and they give it a different title than what it is. Uh Um, If I was doing honest trailers for this movie and I had to give it an alternative title, I would call it a goofy movie. Uh, Not because it's anything like the goofy movie, but because it is a truly goofy movie. (laughs) That's what I would call it. Starring. And then like you go through everybody and then a goofy movie amazing that is that is a good sign off to sharp and flat so let's do it sharp flat so in this section we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it or thought it changed it's flat um surprisingly like i would have written the whole movie but i was just like i don't want to cop out because the whole movie (laughs) i wouldn't say the whole movie is a sharp i have some flats well, it's also the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's weird because now the tables have turned. Because usually I'm the one that is like, you like this as a kid? <laughs> and now yeah. I could now I can kind of see you be like, I could see why you like this. Yeah. But you like this as a kid? <laughs> no, because I would have liked it as a kid, too. I like it now. 
Can I go first for my sharks? Go first. Do go you first. mind? Okay. Love the product placements. It yes. was so smart. So the one that I the one that I picked up, I've seen this movie probably like a dozen times now mm-hmm. in my life. Maybe more because I mean school trips, I think we blasted it on the bus and everything. Mm-hmm. Um but the one that like I lost my shit about was the Evian product placement in a fish tank. That yeah, that's funny. I lost my shit. I was like, yeah. this is genius. Yeah. Genius. Um we talked about it, Tara Reed's hair. I don't understand how they did it. I don't get it. That ringlet that I sh- that I sent you, don't understand, but I love it. So when we have our movie day, when we watch all of the 2000s movies, can we look up how to do that and try to do that with our hair? Well, with your hair, because you actually have the length for it. I don't. I mean, you got time to grow it out before we okay. away. <laughs> we'll get myself a wig. How's that? Um, yeah. I laugh every time when they do the Paradise by the Dashboard Light moment. Uh-huh. Like, uh, in the movie, so this is when uh, Alan Cumming is looking for a new band and he uh-huh. sees Josie and the Pussycats. Or, <laughs> or sorry, he sees the Pussycats cross in front of his car and he That holds is on up. my sharps too. That is one of mine. That is amazing. And then um, Josie's party dress, that leopard with the yes, chain, yep. minus the flower sticker, or the stick on tattoo. I hated I it. it. I hated it. But the dress itself is, it, it's sexy. I'm going to say yeah. it, it's sexy, yeah. but like not revealing. It's very yeah. low cut in the back. Tastefully sexy. It's tastefully, it's tastefully uh, early 2000s sexy. That's yes. That. Yeah. Um, and really, and like the music, I love the music of this. Cause oh, it's like, 100%. it's, I, I was reading, like they wanted to like, not be the, the the type of music that was part of the cartoon which was obviously like 70s boppy music mm-hmm. so they they did like ever living pop punk influence mm-hmm. and i really appreciate because like they then they brought it to the time period what would be, what would be the genre today would it still be this you think Probably not as much as I wish because I don't know about you, but I'm one of those 2000s kids who like takes comfort in listening to that genre of music every day. But like realistically, I feel like it'd be fucking like in the in the best way possible. I would I would think it would be like Olivia Rodrigo style pop. I think Olivia Rodrigo's a little bit influenced by like the Avril Lavigne type era like that's I think that's why but that's why it, it's a little more pop than yeah. punk so that that's where I was going with this okay with this analogy like it, it's it's still it would still be similar but like maybe a little more poppy could you see them being like all Nicki Minaj <laughs> oh carbon copies and they all rap really fast well, I think, first of all, first of all, it'll depend on who the cast is. Yeah. Nicki Minaj as all of them. As all of them. Great. <laughs> In different um, ways. Can, can Lizzo be one of them, too? So this way oh, we, get, sure. we get her play, blasting the flute. She's, she's on the flute. She's an extra band member. She's her own thing. 
She's on the treadmill. It's, She's playing her flute. It's Josie and the Pussycats featuring Lizzo. Featuring Lizzo. Lizzo's in on the whole... Consp- I would love to see Lizzo as a villain. And she's, like, trying to throw them off. Can she be the Parker Posey character? I would love... Oh, that'd be great. And her... No, her... Her, instead of a lisp, because we don't like that, um, her, like, vulnerable child self thing is she spontaneously plays the flute. She got made fun of for playing the flute. For playing the flute. She was a band geek. She's a band geek. <gasps> yes! We got it! We got it! We love it. Cut, we love it. Print, I love everyone. Uh, <laughs> what are your sharps? <laughs> um... I put at the very top A plus comedic casting, but especially the villains. Like the two scenes that made me laugh the hardest were the entire scene where Alan Cummings, Alan Cumming, not Cummings, Alan Cumming rips on Alan M and goes, it didn't work for Sheila E. It doesn't work for you. And then like, he's trying to make plans with Josie and Alan Cumming keeps interrupting. And then he goes, sold to the young man with no future. Come on, Josie. There's a limo waiting. Good night, Adam 12. <laughs> like he won't say his real name. So good. Love that. And then the other scene that made me laugh hard that I rewound it was the entire scene of laughter between Fiona and Wyatt, especially when she chucked an M&M down his throat and he didn't break. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, I have to watch that. I have to play that back. I have to watch it again. When Parker Posey just chucks an Eminem at Alan Cummings' throat, and he's like, "How did they?" And goes on. Did that really happen, or do you think she like missed the mouth? If he missed, if she missed the mouth, great acting. Played it off so well, but like their laughter, like I would love to see bloopers from just that scene. And there were a couple in the bloopers, but I'm sure there's like hours of footage of them like okay now do this laugh do that laugh do this laugh. <laughs> so you so you just you just want to see the bloopers or the different takes of them laughing of them laughing i would pay for that please patreon subscribe <laughs> to this footage so good they play off each other so well that was like brilliant casting so that's sharp number one uh sharp number two <laughs> the frame on the news that said du jour 2000 to 2001 like that was their life cycle well that cracked me up so hard it's such a good parody movie because there were so many 90s and early 2000s bands that were a mere flash in the pan like they were that like fucking what is that band from smart house uh bewitched they had say la vie and then like where were the like, all of the, the all the boy bands and girl bands and boy groups and girl groups that were around and th- that is so binary but like that's what it was that's what it, they were called it, it like in sync 98 degrees backstreet mm-hmm. boys they were those three were like you know they were there and then they were gone well also they were like so interchangeable yeah and then there was like um lfo with that one song yep. that they had then um like uh for, with women like they made fun of spice girls in this yeah. movie yeah and it's like okay we get it you, yes that just happened uh it's oh i love it i love this movie i love it so much like i'm happy i'm happy i like you i'm happy that like i loved it as a kid and now as an adult i rewatch it and I love it even more because I get more of the jokes. Do you ever watch Lance Bass's Instagram reels? No. 
he'll like he hangs out with people from backstreet boys and 98 degrees and they'll just like do in sync dances together well didn't they form like a super group of like the all the boy bands was that real or was that just like for fun i thought it was for like a concert or something oh i want to see it like i thought i thought it was just like a charity event or something that they that they got like members from each group to like perform songs from each group (laughs) i want to see this what else do you have for sharks alexander cabot's crazy hairstyles like every scene just was a surprise my favorite one was his flock of seagulls hair but it was purple instead of like blonde yellow i loved that and then uh my last sharp is puppies turn into dogs who get old (laughs) and die that is such a good truth bomb that is something that if i still work in childcare, i would say to a bratty child to break their world oh that that is like that is like the worst thing you could say to your friend who is all about that but like it's also so dumb that's like santa's not real yes like that's (laughs) it's so good and her delivery is a plus okay so we may have similar flats by the way that our conversation went um i wrote down how they mistreat valerie yeah and then the racism slash racial stereotypes because if you notice at the end when valerie and melody are tied up in the car and then they get released Melody fights an Asian guy who does all these karate moves. Or... I did not realize that. Wow. Asian. Yep. A stereotype right there. Wow. Um, um, and like how they treat Valerie is just like, this is, this is, this is it. This is her story. Or... Yeah. Underutilized. And like, you know, Donald Faison is the other person of color in this movie, and he has all of three lines and then is not credited. He's not even credited. Sad. So, yeah. Uh, what about you? What are your flats? So mine are, like you said, mine are similar to yours. Um, number one is criminal underutilization of the DuJour cast members. Um, the fact that they're not even credited, I mean, I guess that's why they were underutilized, but like you had them in the movie. I was so excited to see Brecken. I was like, oh, he's in this movie. It's going to be good. And then they quote, die at the beginning and you don't see him again. But even if you were going to go for that storyline, like maybe um, introduce them in the beginning as you do, then have like footage in the middle where they're like, oh, remember DuJour? And there's like a music video. No, that's but things. that's the whole point of this because like we said about... Um, earlier about talking about how they're all flash in the pan that's the idea they're all like you're, you're supposed to forget about them and move on to the next to biggest thing i mean yes i get it but like i have i have to play devil's advocate and defend this movie for that reason because that is the point that I that was the time yeah. that that was the time period because like we kind of mellowed out nowadays mm-hmm. there's still flash in the pan moments there's still like the TikTok trends and everything that, you know, even like six months later, we look back and we're like, we did this. But mm-hmm. like, but like, yes, this, that is 
that is one thing I, I'm like, I don't want to change this for this movie because it's perfect. I get it, I'm but sorry. I, I I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I wanted to see more Brecken, Donald, and Seth, and I'm <laughs> mad that like we didn't even get to see them at the end. Why am I so oddly defensive about Josie and the Pussycats? Because it's your childhood. <laughs> but like, it's not really. <laughs> but it was part of it. It was, yes. It was part of it. Um, I can't remember if I actually saw this in theaters or not. I don't know. I don't know. It was. It was. It was twenty-one years ago. <laughs> I felt like the old lady in Titanic right there. <laughs> it was eighty-four years. It was. It's been eighty-four, 84 years. years. <laughs> I'm sorry. What else do you? That's another class? movie I just saw for the first time this year because I wasn't allowed to watch it. Draw me like one of your French women. Oh my god! And it's draw me like one of your French girls, and the whole time people have been misquoting it as paint me. Leonardo DiCaprio did not have paints; he was too poor. He had pencils, and he drew. So people are misquoting that movie. So I'm glad that you said the right thing because I was my expectations were different. Um, you know, uh, again, something that you said to, off of that, the parts of the movie, another flat is the parts of the movie that did not age well. So like examples, the guy doing a Bill Cosby impression. I don't want to hear about Bill Cosby. Um, the joke that the fangirls tell where they're like, oh, you look special, special Ed. I'm like, oh, that's where this joke came from. Okay. So it was like a little ableist. I'm not, I'm not sure what was the chicken or what was the egg in the situation. If like they wrote this joke first or if society had the joke going and then and they, then they just put it, it in the, the movie. movie yeah either so way i don't want i don't want to put blame on this movie for that because again not i podcasting we defender but also podcasting we say wild and crazy things all the time but like don't at me for this don't at us for this one because oh, like don't feel bad i compared abercrombie and fitch to alcoholism earlier so true <laughs> Um, and I don't mean, like, I, I don't know what I was saying. Uh, but yeah, parts that did not age well. Bill Cosby, ableism, like, with the, the lisping and the uh-huh. albino thing. Um, just the, the races, like, the casual racism. Like, the scene where he's on the phone with Fiona and he's like, oh, it's like Christina Aguilera, only one of them is really tan. Or it's like TLC yes. with two white chicks. I was like, oh, we couldn't make those jokes today. Also, they sound nothing like TLC thank you very much. They're kind of their own thing. If I had to think of like bands that they sounded like from that era, I would say like the Veronica's or letters to Cleo, the band from 10 things I hate about you that, um, or even Avril Lavigne or like Avril Lavigne, like punk rock type. Not even Christina Aguilera. Definitely not Christina. You're right. Both, both examples. They don't sound like them. They don't sound like them. And it was not necessary. I didn't need it. So, and I like all of Alan Cummings's other scenes. So like that was one that I could have done without, but that's not his fault. He's just right, saying He's saying him. the words that we'll, we'll, I'll say it one more time. Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfond. They are, I got to say though, they wrote a shit ton of teen movies. Oh yeah. During this time. So. Well, it was the 2000s. It was a different time and humor evolves over time. So yes. I don't think we can like cancel a movie for being a product of its generation. Like it's, it was what it was, but if we remake it, let's cut that out and not have it. Um, but granted in 
if we made this movie now, in 20 years, we'll be having this conversation talking about how some of the jokes we made today. What do you think will go out of style in 20 years? Well, first of all, if we're still alive in 20 years. Um, yeah, we're going to die in 10. Leah Michelle's Antichrist son is going to kill us. Next flat. Uh, flat number three is Seth Green's hair and Alan Cummings' hair. The only man with good hair in this movie is Alexander Cabot. Like, I don't know. Alan <laughs> M with the floppy hair and the guitar. Come on. Oh, because that was his real hair, though. Like, that was Alan M's real hair where Seth oh, Green you, you're and you're talking Alan about wigs. The wigs. Had wigs that were bad. That were because all the focus went into zhuzhing up Alexander's hair. So they like were like, oh, let's throw a wig on these other people. Do you think that was visually cuts Rosario Dawson's and Tara Reed's real hair every in every scene? Um, I feel like they have some magic hair at some point. At some points. Like Rachel Lee, Rachel Lee Cook's spiky uh, 2000s short haircut looks her hair too was my favorite. perfect. It looks too perfect, though. I it think it's, been a wig. It might be a wig. Just because, like, it's a movie, you have to do takes, lights, everything. The three girls, at least, it looked like hair that could have been real hair. Like, Wyatt and Seth Green's du jour character were very clearly wigs, and they were bad wigs. Mm-hmm. So I did not like that. Um, and then my last flat goes to not giving us a whole version of Alan M's taking my truck for granted. Alan M has a good voice, and he was like, I'm taking the truck for granted. And then uh. she cuts him off, and I'm like, don't cut him off. I want to hear about his truck. Stop uh. it, Rosie. Stop <laughs> it. He probably sang it at the bar that we didn't hear because she was That's too busy being a bitch. Gig. I was like, Alan M, they cast a dude who could sing. I want to hear him sing. With his floppy hair and guitar. And he's his floppy hot. hair and guitar. If he's the hottest guy in Riverdale, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty cute though. Like he's not Zac Efron, but like no one is. But like that for the other men of Riverdale, that is a scathing indictment for them. <laughs> Is he hotter than the Riverdale guys? No, 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 no. I mean, like, in this universe, they say that he's the hottest man in Riverdale. (laughs) I'm blending the worlds together. What songs did you add to your life's playlist from this movie? I gotta listen to the whole soundtrack because I wanted to pull a U and be like, all of them. But I'm like, I need to actually listen to all of them. But I at least put all the ones that were in the movie that I could remember. So three small words, uh, butt sex lover, spin around. (laughs) Backdoor uh, lover. Josie and the Pussycats. And then Pretend to be Nice is my personal favorite because it was written by Adam Schlesinger. So I took your, I looked at your overview and I'm like, Adam Schlesinger wrote music for this movie. I wonder which one it's going to be. I'm going to like not look at the titles and I'm going to watch the movie and I'm going to see which, if I can pick out which one is his. And that song started playing and they started singing. I'm like, that's the Adam Schlesinger song. And I looked and I was correct because it, it had that, uh, it sounded kind of like feeling kind of naughty from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I was like, oh my God, that's Adam Schlesinger. So like, that was very near and dear to me because I was really sad when he died in 2020. Was that, um, the, was that the makeover montage song? No, that's when they, when they're playing and then there's the whole montage of them climbing up the top 40. Chart. Yeah, no, that is the makeover montage. There's makeover that happens in it? Yeah, it's like early where they go to the salon and they attack their hair and they're singing underneath the the hair dryers. Three small words again. 
No, no, no. I know this. I believe you. You've seen this movie more times than I have. Because that is uh, also a total bop. I didn't write it down. I should have. You know what? I'm saying it too. Pretend to be nice. Yeah. You know what? I disagree with your choices. Everything. It's great. Like, Like, the thing though is a lot of the other songs that we... Uh, and we we said this earlier, but I want to reiterate this. A lot of the other songs are probably bops, but like you're focused on the scene, right. not the song. So well, look at, I just did it. I was like, that didn't play during that scene. And you're like, yes, it did. Because yes, I was too busy watching the makeover montage. Because like, because it's what's interesting, though, is that I think this song is kind of like, uh, go with me follow me on this path. It's kind of like Tenacious D's tribute where I don't think the song is happening in universe, but it's about their rise to fame. Pretend to be nice. Yeah. Because the, in it, they make a music video, but I don't think it's for this song. It is a very meta movie. So your theory holds weight. But Regardless. like, I, I need to rewatch it again. Oh, Where damn. I have to rewatch this movie again. I'm so upset. What a horrible time. How dare I? Uh- <laughs> Adam Schlesinger, I just, I want to circle back to him. Like, I loved, love him so much. And I thought it was really great that even, like, after he has passed away and me hearing one of his songs, that I knew that that was an Adam Schlesinger song because that just proves that his voice lives on and his words and his music live on and are still touching people even after he has passed away so we miss you we miss you so much um but ashley we're done with the episode unfortunately on that note uh (laughs) is there anything else you want to plug or promote um not currently (laughs) i'm just writing stand-up so like come see me do shows look for shows on oh yeah we're where it, where can people learn about your shows? Uh, my Instagram is at Schliebele. So that's probably the one where you're going to have the most luck finding stuff because I'll post stuff to my story. I'll post like informational posters to my, you know, page just so you can see that. So that's where to find me. And that's the best place to, f- I mean, I still have my Twitter account that I never use that sometimes I tweet Rachel Bloom. <laughs> But I think she got rid of Twitter, so I should probably get rid of Twitter. Don't be, don't follow her. Be your own person. I just don't like Twitter. I don't understand it. I, I am trying to start using Twitter. Twitter's I don't get mean. it. Twi- like, but like for me, it's like watching this movie because I'm prepping for a recording. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Or like, um, this person was just uh, like I'm start. I'm starting to get it i'm starting to understand try to figure it out and i don't know if i'm failing or winning but um my socials are um uh, at buttersong pod on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok you can also email me at buttersong at gmail.com i also want to plug the episode of movie deja vu that we did uh where we compared it josie and the pussycats to gem and the holograms it's episode two so it came out two years ago. It is wild. We call it Pussycat Holograms because that's what we do. We compare, when we, when we title the episodes, we compare the movie titles. Not Gem and the Pussycats? We, 
Pussycrat Holograms was funnier at the time for us. No, it's pretty funny. I'm just picturing, um, like, fake uh, That means that you probably would have to watch Jam and the Holograms in order to understand it, and everyone should, because I it, could is, do that. it is so dumb. It was in theaters for, like, a week, and I am one of the hundred of people that have seen it in theaters. Like, 100 people. Literally 100. But, <laughs> okay, maybe 150. But, like, I am one, I am, I hold that badge of honor saying I saw this in theaters. Um, I mean, if you also love Josie and the Pussycats movie, or you want to like, if you have like a fun story to tell, you know, you know, I just said the socials, you can reach out to me and tell me anything you want. And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about the 1977 version of The Hobbit. That's a musical? Ish. (laughs) Okay. I gotta, should watch it. Gotta listen to the episode. It's a Rankin and Bass animated movie. I would watch that. It's a trippy movie. It's trippy. I haven't seen it in like 20 years. So again, 20 years. 20 years is a big number for me, apparently. I, I feel like last year was 1992. Like I'm still not it wasn't? caught up with the time. No, no. It was 1991 because this year. Today is yeah. 1992. No, today is 2022. Ew. 2020, ew. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Bye for now, everyone! <laughs> Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.